Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. And I'm Alyssa Mastromonaco. Alyssa, you've got some new outfit energy today. You want to explain to me what's going on? Erin, look, I am no different than I was in middle school and high school. I ordered something new for fall and I couldn't wait. Even though it's hot out, I am wearing it today. <laughs> Just like my, my little, remember CB, the brand CB? I don't. Okay, but. so CB used to make like anoraks and like ski clothes. Sure. And growing up, you would go, so back before climate change, the last week of August was always like gorgeous up here. And you'd have like, it'd be like, you know, 60 degrees at night when you'd go to the county fair and everyone would wear their new stuff for school. And so anyway, I'm wearing my back to school clothes today. <laughs> oh my gosh. I used to, after I went back to school shopping, and like just begged and pleaded. It was just a day long negotiation with my mother to try to get her to like let me have like nicer stuff than we could afford. Um, but I would get home and lay out my first day of school outfit. Yes. And it would go did, untouched. Until... Did you ever, did you guys have layaway? Uh, yes, but I don't think we ever used it. So we had big time, lay we were big time layaway people. So I would like visit my back to school clothes all summer. <laughs> until they finally, till we picked them up off of layaway at the end of August. Uh, oh my but God, yeah, I love that. I love this that. is, I'm just so into it right now. It's like uh, just a little something. So what I'm wearing flannel in August. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This week, Alyssa, we had a really fun show. It's kind of a stripped down version of the normal hysteria crew. Yeah, but we're bouncing around everywhere. We're really, uh, we're talking a lot about abortion. We're talking about Ohio. Which is Always. Huge. Texas. We're talking a little bit Texas, which is like not so great, but still some progress being made. Um, we're talking to the creator of a podcast about the history of the abortion pill that honestly turns the whole story into like an action movie. And we're here for it. Incredible. We loved every minute. OK, now let's get to the news. Okay, folks, you're listening to Hysteria, the podcast where women are my favorite guy. Are you in that? Absolutely. Yes. Women are my favorite guy. And that should have been the tagline of our podcast from Jump. I am ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? We're always iterating, Erin, and we are here to learn and grow with every year and podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, you know... Normally, we kind of banter a little bit at the top of news. Yeah. But I feel like we should really take advantage of the fact that we're currently in what we call our gloating closet. We're in our gloating closet because we have, I don't know, some stuff to gloat about. Some stuff to gloat about. Uh, this is a rare but welcome and, mm -hmm. uh, and joyful moment when I'm like, huh, way to go, Ohio. What you do you guys, know? You guys did it. So, Alyssa, what went down in Ohio on Tuesday? And why are we Aaron, gloating about it? 
I am happy to report that Republicans were utterly fucking destroyed in Tuesday's Ohio special election. Or, as you like to say, curb stomped. They were curb stomped. It's true. (laughs) They were curb stomped. Ohio voted no, overwhelmingly on a measure known as Issue One that sought to make it more difficult to amend the state constitution at the ballot box. As of our recording right now, Aaron, Wednesday morning, the vote stands at 43% yes, 57% no. Oh, what do you God. know about that? That is what a you know bigger about margin that? than the Protosawitz curb stomping in Wisconsin. Yes. The margins keep growing. The margins speak for themselves, Aaron. Abortion wins elections. Okay? How long have we been saying this? How long have we been saying this? Since the show started. Yes. And abortion winning them since wins elections. And we talked last week, nearly 700,000 Ohioans voted early, either in person or by mail, surpassing the amount of early votes. 288,000 people cast in the May 2022 primary election. Oh, that didn't even surpass. That didn't just surpass it. That it, like, cur- it, it, it curb stomped that too. It blew that out. Oh my gosh. And so for comparison, for comparison. Now this is, I'm, I'm, this is not apples to apples, which makes it even better. The 2022 general election total was 4,200,000 votes. As of this morning, in a special election, In August, over 3 million votes have been counted with over 99% of the vote in. Wow. Oh, my gosh. What? Yeah. Aaron, turnout was so heavy that some election offices were straining to manage the load and tried to recruit additional poll workers. Wow. Okay. So issue one failed. Yay. We've been talking about it for a few weeks. Ohioans showed up. They did not come to fuck around. Um, so what happens now? So this isn't the vote on abortion. No. So just for anyone who has not been following this closely, issue one was meant to, the Republicans wanted issue one to pass so that in order to amend the state constitution, you would need a threshold of 60%, not the current 50% plus one, right? So that failed. So now come November, Abortion, enshrining abortion into the Constitution is on the agenda, and we just need 50% plus one. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's super interesting is that polling has shown pretty with, with pretty much reliability that between mm-hmm. 57 and 60% of likely Ohio voters support access to abortion. Um, yes. But if the referendum fails in November, it's also on the ballot with uh, legalizing recreational marijuana. Yep, 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 yep. pretty cool. Oh, I wanted to really quick talk about how issue one, another way that it was like snaky. You know how Republicans will try to make things, rules that only apply to abortion or only apply to birth control? Um, yep. And they've gotten away with it a bunch of times, like, you know, so why why not this time? Issue one was designed to raise the threshold to 60% to get things in the state constitution. Right. So it wouldn't have applied to the marijuana law, which was just changing state law. So it was like not only what they didn't even have like plausible deniability to be like, we just don't want direct democracy. It's too chaotic. No, they literally were just targeting this abortion referendum that's on the ballot in Ohio in November, which is um, pretty crazy. If oh, if it fails, this is a, this is why the stakes are as high as they are. If it fails, that it looks like a six week abortion ban that was passed and enacted by the state's gerrymandered, 
extremist mm-hmm. right-wing state government, which, by the way, is out of step with how most Ohioans, you know, think and believe. It's just they've been gerrymandered all the fuck. Um, the six-week abortion ban will probably go into effect, unless a court strikes right. it down. But you don't want to rely on the courts, guys. No. Take democracy into your own hands. And you know what else is a little little glimmer of good news in all of this? Aaron, mm. people do not like extreme positions on abortion. We're seeing this across the country. And it's good news for Sherrod Brown, who is on the ballot. Uh, he is up in cycle. And his uh, potential opponents have very, very extreme positions on abortion. So it feels like there might still be a path for his reelection. Yeah. And Ohio is... The more I've been reading about Ohio, the more I've been, you know, studying up on this, it seems to me as though Ohioans like issues that Democrats care about, but they don't like Democrats. Um, yeah, that Aaron, that is, yes, that's correct. You're correct. Yeah, but they do like Sherrod Brown mm-hmm. because he's gotten elected, I think, a, a few times now. So, yeah. you know, there, there is, I have like, I would say... I've got like a, a mostly sunny outlook on his. I'm feeling election. positive. Yeah, uh, mostly sunny. So something else super interesting about this is that this is like, I don't know, the fifth time that abortion bans or ab- abortion restrictions um, mm-hmm. have been voted on by the general public in red states since mm-hmm. Dobbs was overturned. I know that's a lot of caveats, but um, we had uh, Kansas, Kentucky, yep. Uh, yep. Montana, and uh, Wisconsin. And mm-hmm. in all of those scenarios, voters opted for the choice that did not restrict abortion. So right. like Kentuckians had the opportunity to enshrine an anti-abortion clause in the state constitution. They rejected it. Uh, Kansas r- did not remove the right to abortion from the state constitution. Like it is, all of these states are still trying to fuck around with bans with maybe the exception of Wisconsin because uh, that that state as an abortion desert's days are numbered with a four to three right. state Supreme Court. But, um, you know, it's it's Republicans should be worried, but they're not. And, you know, something else interesting I found out about this um, hmm. is that Ohio is one of 10 states that significantly restricts, abo- restricts abortion and allows citizen sponsored ballot initiatives. So the others are. Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, Montana, which we mentioned, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, and South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And there have been rumblings, well, they're not just rumblings, something was filed in Arizona on Tuesday that yes. indicated that they are attempting to go through the process of getting a pro-abortion initiative on the ballot in Arizona in 2024, which we coming, you know? Fuck around and find out. Fuck around and find out. And, you know, other these other states are in, you know, various stages of trying to figure out how to get this done. I know in Missouri, the state government has been trying to uh, play defense on mm-hmm. uh, the rights of their citizens to add, like, public referendums. I know that in South Dakota, there have been some talk uh, about getting a pro-abortion language on a public referendum. Um, but the one where it's the furthest, now that Ohio has done what it's done, uh, Arizona is the furthest along. So we're going to be keeping track of this. Yes, we will. Heading into 2024. Um, because the energy's on our side now, man. It's I can feel it. It's, I mean, and there's another thing that happened this week uh, that was interesting 
interesting. Hmm. Um, CNN released the results of a poll about um, attitudes towards the Dobbs decision, which was the decision mm-hmm. to overturn Roe v. Wade. And they found that the percentage of people who say they disapprove of the Supreme Court, the the, the Dobbs decision specifically, right. is exactly the same as it was in the weeks right after Dobbs. So there were some people that were saying, well, you know, people will just get used to this and gradually right. like accept the new land. People are not getting used to this. People are not accepting this. And Thank God. It's only, it's like good for for Democrats, good for pro-choice voters. I mean, it it really sucks that there has been this period of time where we, you know, all of these people are falling through the cracks. There's something so cruel about the ways that many states are handling reproductive justice issues. But on the other side of this, we might end up in a future where people on average have more access to abortion than they had. Before. I mean, fingers crossed. I think, Aaron, so much of what the Republicans did, it's like they're the dogs that caught the car. You know, mm-hmm. they got what they wanted, but they didn't have a plan. And they really, really just went too fucking far. Like, it's you. I don't care how you feel about abortion, but when you listen to the stories of women who have been denied abortions because doctors and healthcare clinics and hospitals were too afraid to treat even dire circumstances where people's lives were at risk because they thought they'd get sued. <laughs> like or I think arrested that, or worse. Or arrested. Or exactly. I mean, it is they uh I think they overplayed their hand here, Aaron. It's gonna come back and bite them. And on that note, uh, last Friday, a Texas judge issued an order barring the state from enforcing its ban on abortion after about six weeks of pregnancy in cases where a patient's life or health could be endangered by an emergent medical condition. Um, It was ruled that the state's abortion ban has been too restrictive and have has Mm -hmm. led to women with serious pregnancy related complications to endure unnecessary uh, medical risk. Um, and the judge's order basically asked for some clarification. It was like, hey, guys, you can't – this law is ridiculous. It doesn't right. clarify that doctors are able to take care of their patients, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ruling was the first to undercut Texas's law since it took effect in 2022. It is a major victory to abortion rights supporters who see the case as a possible model for how to attack these laws in other Republican states. The penalties under the Texas law are pretty stiff. Um, Doctors who perform abortions could be sentenced to life in prison and fined up to $100,000. Unfucking believable. Yeah. And, you know, as a result, women who had serious, serious, like, lethal fetal abnormalities were denied care. Uh, Women who were at risk of, like, experiencing sepsis were denied care. It's basically a law that orders doctors to, if they want to be careful, just kind of, like, not treat pregnant women. Right. I mean, like, Erin, so many of the stories we heard were pregnant women who were told their babies were not going to survive or were already gone, uh, were told to go home and just wait till their fever gets high enough that they can confirm they're basically in the early stages of sepsis and then come back to the hospital and that's when they could treat them. What? (sighs) I mean, and the fact too, that in order to make the point about how inhumane 
and catastrophic these laws are, these women have to be re-traumatized and tell the stories publicly in court to explain what has happened and why these are wrong. But we I mean, appreciate I'm just going to say this. Like, birth, if everything goes well, is fucking traumatic. Birth is like the most traumatic yeah. thing that most women ever live through. <laughs> like, it is so traumatic. I mean, it's, oh, yes, it's beautiful, blah, 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 whatever. It is. Like, on the other side of it, you get a baby, and then you get to go home and not sleep for three months while it just cries at you and doesn't know who you are. But, like, birth is is fucking traumatic regardless. When right. you are being forced to give birth to a baby that will not live, and you could have prevented that trauma, like, that is cruel and inhumane. I don't understand. And, you know, again, I'm not a lawyer. Thank goodness. But um, I don't understand why there isn't a legal challenge to some of these laws from a free speech perspective, because it yeah. does seem like these laws are violating doctors' free speech rights, the right to provide, like, care to their patients as they see fit right. in accordance with their training and expertise. Like, seems like a violation to make doctors... Also, like their is. oath. I mean, it's like, yeah. how are you supposed to see someone who you know is sick and going to get sicker and be like, come back when you have gotten much, much sicker? Yeah, it's it's uh, anyway. So, you know, the injunction was double backsies reversed. I think that's the legal term by the <laughs> Texas state Supreme Court, which means that the Texas law remains in effect. But as this case proceeds through the courts, we might see it at the Supreme Court eventually. Um, as the as the um, as it proceeds through the courts, it could and probably will uh, have have more implications for laws in other states as well. Um, so there we there, oh, I wanted to talk about something else, something that's like a little bit less serious than the uh, life and death right. of uh, abortion. But we're a high-low podcast, so. We're a high-low podcast. When they go low, we also go low. And then high again at a different point. Um, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I never really was into the hot girl summer thing. I really respect the hot girls that did it, that pulled it off. Mm. But I was, like, beyond my hot girl years at that point. But what I can get down with is I think 2023 is just girl summer. It's just straight up. It is girl all the summer. girls all nonstop. The girls. Girly summer, maybe. So from Taylor Swift's blockbuster eras tour that is such an economic driver that Justin Trudeau begged her to do more dates in Canadian cities, uh, to Beyonce's Renaissance World Tour, to Greta Gerwig's Barbie movie breaking a billion dollars at the box office. That's a lot of bees. Uh, the entertainment industry is being kept afloat by projects that center girls and women and take their inner lives seriously. And that is very hard for a certain type of man to process, it seems. Which is interesting because, you know, Taylor, Beyonce, they're not discriminating between red states and blue states. Do oh, you yeah. know, Erin, that after uh, Taylor added, I think it's three stops in Indiana, in Indianapolis, that it is anticipated that local consumer spending around her era's tour in Indianapolis alone will generate $4.6 billion for the economy there? Whoa. Yeah. What? That's... What? Because guess what? Because her tickets and Beyonce's are so hard to come by, they're ha they have what is called a 
Taylor tourism and Beyonce tourism, people who can get tickets someplace else and they're traveling there. So there's hotel rooms, there's food, people are going shopping. I mean, the amount of money spent on beads to make friendship bracelets alone. Yeah. It's a boon. I should have bought stocks in a bead company before 2023. I would be- We'd be rich. I would be like height of Bitcoin rich and it would be real money. Um, that is, I have a couple friends who have, you know, daughters that are a little bit older than my kid. And the cost of getting tickets to the Eras tour and the hoops you have to, to jump through. Oh, yeah. Thanks to Ticketmaster in the U.S., it's so high. And I've heard about this uh, with people doing this with Beyonce tickets too. It is one of my friends priced out just getting tickets in Rome and flying there with her two kids and going to see Taylor. And they found, and she realized it was like going to all in cost about the same as getting tickets in her city. That's unbelievable. Yeah. So she bought the tickets in Rome and they're going to go. Good for her. They're going to go together on a trip. But you know what I love to hear too is that, you know, there are a lot of like, concerts that have been fronted by men and they make a lot of money. Taylor uh, has given over $55 million in bonuses to everybody working on the Eras Tour, from the truck drivers to the dancers and everybody in between. Beyonce paid $100,000 to keep the Metro open in D.C. so that people could get home because there was a terrible thunderstorm there and they had to delay the start of the show. I mean, just using their power for good. Right. Well, we just need to convince them to to lay off the private jet use, I think, at this point. That would be um, helpful. That would be that helpful. That would be but, super you know. helpful. Um, another, another thing I wanted to talk about is, is, so the Women's World Cup is going on in soccer. Yep. I've decided Colombia is my adopted team. I love, love them. Absolutely love Enjoy them. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the U.S. Women's National Team had a kind of disappointing cup appearance. Um, they're sort of, you know, watching them play... Their loss to Sweden was pretty heartbreaking because, you know, I knew what had happened before my husband started watching the game. So I didn't want to watch the game because I knew what had happened. Yeah, I get but it. He, he said watching it, it was clear that U.S. was the better team and either team could have won. You know, like mm-hmm. it was just kind of a it came down to like just them's the breaks. Um but uh, there's a lot of people with their, like, a lot of people who I don't think give a shit about women's soccer with their panties At all. in a twist about the way that uh, women's so- American women's soccer players conduct themselves. Aaron, it's exhausting. Also, you know what's so funny about these people? When men's team don't win, they say shit like, can't win them all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's it's just it's so it's so weird. I I think I mean Megan Rapinoe did get into a very public battle with Trump during the Women's World Cup last time, which they won. Um, and it seems like conservative America just is a grudge against her. It's so weird because, you know, if the men's teams were playing, they probably wouldn't be treating any of the players like ever. This. I mean, of course not. Yeah, I, I could see them. It, the only way that I could see them treat if if somebody was like speaking out against police brutality or something like that, they would right. probably um, get upset with it. But yeah, I mean, why are they talking about Megan Rapinoe on Fox News? I, what position does she play, guys? They you don't like, know. You, you care so much about soccer. What position does Megan Rapinoe play? Is she on the uh, left the position, or the right side of the field? The usually? position they know. Is that she thinks uh, fee- the women's team should have equal pay? They mu- they seem to hate that. They seem yeah. to hate that. That's the position uh, that she plays. That's the position that she plays with them. 
Well, you know, now at least I think that it's fair that the women the women should have equal pay to men um, because they're, you know, now both teams have like disappointed us equally <laughs> in the, in the world, <laughs> which is fine. Like you truly can't win them all. I think that it's really exciting to watch other teams have soccer being played at such a high level and to not have it just be a few countries with like enough money and resources to support a like women's soccer program. It's, it's like a global thing now and it's just, it's really exciting to see. So I don't know. It's just conservative apoplexy about women's sports. It's just like, you guys don't even fucking care about women's sports. You don't sports. care. Like, you don't care at all. But you know that they were like, can you just imagine their, like, text chain when they were getting ready for their show? They're like, oh, my God, put Megan Rapino on the docket because she's woke, they say. <sighs> That's why she lost. She's woke. Yeah. Okay. Well, but they said me- you can be an activist if you're like LeBron James and win all the time. I guess LeBron's like never. She ever was lost. the LeBron James of soccer. Of course she is. She's this, the goat until literally this tournament. Like she's won two World Cups. Like what are you fucking talking about? Oh, my voice is getting into a high octave. I know. We were howler monkeying it for Megan Rapino. We were howler monkeying it for Megan Rapino. Um. Ooh. You know what? We're going to talk about the Great Lakes region a little bit more today. Um, Josh Shapiro, Hive, Rise Up. Is Does he have a Hive? Does the governor of Pennsylvania have a Hive? Are we the Hive? We might be the Hive. We might be the Hive. I feel like he's got a pretty substantial Hive. He's killing in it. In Keystone State. He's he's killing it. Uh, Pennsylvania announced last Thursday that after nearly 30 years, it was canceling the contract of an anti-abortion group that provides funding for deceptive crisis pregnancy centers. The group Real Alternatives mm, what a <laughs> has name. received more than $134 million to date in state and federal funds. Governor Shapiro first signed the 2023-24 budget, which increased the line item from $6.2 million to $8.2 million, and then his administration separately Revealed the end of the group's contract. <laughs> Bye-bye. Ha-ha-ha. <laughs> You're going to have to figure out a new grift. Uh, Shapiro said, For decades, taxpayer dollars have gone to fund real alternatives. My administration will not continue that pattern. We will ensure women in this commonwealth receive the reproductive health care they deserve. Pennsylvanians made clear by electing me as governor that they support a woman's freedom to choose, and I will be steadfast in defending that right. Way to go, Governor Josh. Into it. Into it, Josh. Thank it's you so weird much, to have a Gub. governor named Josh, you know? I know. I mean, I guess he's like, I mean, he's my age. <laughs> that's how old the Joshes are. Like, the Joshes the, are my age. The, it's that's like, how old the Joshes are. It's like Aaron in, in like 35 or 40 years, there are going to be a lot of Barbies running for Congress is my prediction. <laughs> Wait, people named Barbie? Yes. Didn't you see the name Barbie is on the rise now that uh, but the Barbie movies come out? That's actually, it's a cute name. It's adorable. It's and you know what? When name. they get older, they can be Barbie. They could be Babs. You know, I'd be Babs. That would be my, I know I'd pick be Babs. Babs as my nickname. You would 100% be Babs. Uh, Shapiro has also been uh, doing a lot of cool stuff for the people of Pennsylvania. Um, do you remember when the I-95 collapsed outside of Philly? You mean the the, hi- the highway he put back together in like two weeks? It's like two <laughs> weeks. He built it back together in two weeks. I got to tell he- you, Governor Shapiro is really telling on a lot of other people because yeah. you see how long other things take and you're like, OK, who is on the grift on those projects? Yeah, because he showed us that when uh, things are actually pretty fucking critical, they can get fixed pretty fucking fast. 
Right. It's like it's like this sort of like toxic masculinity example of guys being like, oh, that's guy code. It's guy code. We don't tell yeah, on this or we don't whatever. Tell. He's like breaking gov code. Like he's he's like, actually, you could do this really fast and under budget and uh, it is not a big deal. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a pretty cool governor. He's doing great work. Uh, I would say that I would I would allow him to be on this show. If Aaron, I, to. I feel like that invitation, we may need to extend that invitation in the months to come. Yeah. The, the people from the Keystone State, look, they've kind of been the, the quiet workhorses turning a purple state blue and, you know, throw a little shine on him. He's with us. He's with us. Okay, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we've got a really, really exciting interview with a person working on something really cool. Hysteria is brought to you by Books. This Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why you should send her farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And right now you can get 25% off your entire Books purchase. Here's why everyone likes the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Which I love. Books has modern designs and unique flowers you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. Go online, pick the delivery date, and you are done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 20% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Erin, I love my books. I love a flower that lasts forever, and my books arrangements really do last a full solid week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have uh, I have some sitting on my kitchen table right now, mm-hmm. and they've been there for several days. And usually, when I buy them at like the grocery store, they're sort of like starting to crap Fade. out pretty quickly. Yep. Not with books. They stick around. They look beautiful. I like how they kind of slowly open up and become even more beautiful as they sit on your, you know, wherever Absolutely, you Absolutely, because they're that fresh. So go to books.com and use promo code hysteria for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com, promo code hysteria. Books, promo code hysteria. If someone were afraid of the dentist, maybe they haven't been in a long time, maybe they're embarrassed because they haven't been in a while, I feel like this would be a really safe place for them to go and get the care that they need. At Advanced Dentistry, we get it. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, if you want to learn how IV sedation can change your life, visit nofeardentist.com. This episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. Power up your life with superior brain and body nutrition products from IQ Bar. Their plant protein bars are the perfect low-carb breakfast. Their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks replenish electrolytes. And their IQ Joe Mushroom Coffees will keep you focused all day long. Start each day right with IQ Bar's brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes, and mushroom coffees. Their ultimate sampler pack includes all three. IQ Bar empowers doers with superior brain and body nutrition. All their products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. And today, Hysteria listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text HYSTERIA to 64000. 
One thing I love about IQ Bar is, first of all, right now it's really dry where I am. Oh, okay. It is hard for me to stay hydrated. I, I just like I, I'll just be going through my day and I'll be like, why am I so like parched? I'm parched. I'm in a bad mood. I feel like I'm gonna pass out. And it's ah, you gotta drink some water. You gotta stay hydrated. I really like their IQ Mix Zero Sugar Hydration Drinks because it allows me to rehydrate myself at a time yeah. when I feel like the atmosphere is trying to take all my moisture away. Well, and sometimes you need more than just water. Sometimes you need more more than just water. I also love IQ bars because I love a portable breakfast. I love a grab-and-go breakfast. No dishes. Love something I can walk around holding and eating. I like something I can eat in my car without endangering the lives of me and every other motorist on the road. A breakfast burrito. <laughs> not, not the safest thing to eat behind the wheel. IQ bar, go ahead and do it. Good for you. Great ingredients. Helps you... Stay focused and alert throughout the day, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you don't have to dirty any dishes. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix sticks, and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products, plus get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text Hysteria to 64000. Get your discount. Text Hysteria to 64000. That's H-Y-S-T-E-R-I-A to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. And welcome back. You're listening to Hysteria, the podcast for people who dissociate by attempting to pull off complicated recipes. Alyssa, I know that's, that's you. Truth. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> when I'm trying the beef bourguignon, trying to light that shit on fire, it is uh, that is exactly how I dissociate. <laughs> Hopefully in a fire safe manner. You don't want to dissociate while I'll tell you, you this. The cats are not allowed anywhere near the kitchen. <laughs> I have played with everything from a match to one of those fire starters. And uh, yeah, I try I try to be safe, I promise. The podcast for people who should not be playing with fire. Uh, <laughs> also so to, true. Yes. So today we're super excited to welcome this guest to the show. She's a journalist and podcaster. And her most recent pod that she's worked on is called Cover Up the Pill Plot. It is a docuseries about illegally smuggling the abortion pill into the U.S. in the 90s. And it is... It is so good. It's It's, a banger. (laughs) It is so good. I have never, ever seen this story put together the way it's been put together before. It is unbelievable. Thrilling. TJ Raphael, welcome to Hysteria. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and I'm so thrilled that you like the series. (laughs) It was, TJ, here's what... I have to just say at the top is that uh, I was in high school from 1989 until 1994. And this brought me back. You know, we covered this so much of this in school, but it was uh, I felt very seen. And uh, it was just I had never heard it put together in almost a narrative way. I mean, you make it a true crime podcast, basically. It is uh, it was highly enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, it really does feel like a true crime story. When I first heard about this story, I couldn't believe that it was true. It sounds like something that was ripped from an Ocean's Eleven flick and there's a Breaking Bad (laughs) element. And I was like, 
wait, this is actually American history. This is women's history. I I was pretty stunned. And yeah, I'm still kind of shocked now that even with the current court challenges uh, to Mifepristone's FDA approval, that nobody's talking about this story before. I don't think a lot of people realize that the Supreme Court has actually already heard a case about the abortion pill. It was just back in 1992. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... Can you give our listeners like a little teaser, like tell us, set, set up the story and, and lead us through sort of like the backdrop of, of where it's all taking place? Yeah. So the pill plot takes place in the late 80s and early 90s. This is a time in American history when abortion clinics were being targeted by the so-called rescue movement, which was a militant anti-abortion movement designed to use physical force to barricade clinic entrances, uh, to disrupt service. And um, this was also happening at the same time that the abortion pill, Mifepristone, then called RU486, had hit the market in Europe. It was introduced in 1988. Um, But then President George H.W. Bush, as soon as it comes out, he moves to ban the medication. Uh, He directs U.S. Customs to confiscate any import of the drug, even a small amount for personal use. You know, normally if you get, you know, aspirin overseas in Germany and it's not technically FDA approved that brand, you can still bring it in. Not so with mifepristone. Um, So basically a group of radical feminists um, who were being targeted by clinic violence teamed up with some national abortion rights figures, folks like this guy named Larry Later, who I had actually never heard of, but Betty for Dan called him the father of the abortion rights movement. His his book that was simply called Abortion was cited in the Roe v. Wade decision eight times. Um, and Larry, at this time, he's like this fancy pants, 72-year-old Manhattanite. He's super rich, doesn't really have to work for a living. I kind of think of him as, as like a George Clooney character. And yeah. he cooks up this like crazy scheme to challenge the government's ban on the abortion pill. And he talks to a bunch of attorneys and they are like, do not do this. This is so risky. You know, we think this is a terrible idea. But Larry's an optimist and he's dedicated to the cause of abortion rights. So he's like, I'm going to do it. And he searches the country for a pregnant woman to sign up to be the Jane Roe of the 1990s. And his plan is that uh, he and this woman will fly to London, get the pills where the medication is legal in that country, um, come back to New York City, intentionally tip off U.S. customs, be stopped, be searched, have the drug confiscated, and then fight this and take it all the way to the Supreme Court to hopefully lift the ban on mifepristone. Um, The stunt, it doesn't work in 1992. As we know, the drug wasn't legalized until the year 2000. But a lot of crazy, uh, other crazy stuff winds up happening in the years that follow. Yeah, listening to the podcast, uh, and and you talked to the head of Operation Rescue, which I would not have had the stomach to do, I I have to say. Um, Yeah. And he he seems to be kind of like, psyched to be talking to you um it's a guy named randall he Terry. did he, he was like, like he's like let me get a cup of tea he yeah. was like so ready to talk to you yeah it was like it was like the scene in a sort of like cliched action movie where like the hero gets to the center of the volcano lair of the bad guy and the, and he's like 
have, would you like a whiskey? I take my meat and sit <laughs> What What was that like? What? How did you get this super huge figure from the militant, scary, far-right movement to talk to you? Yeah, I mean, Randall actually was very game to talk to me from the second I reached out to him. Um, actually <laughs> found his contact on Facebook. And then I sent him a message and we then started talking on the phone and he was very game to do an interview. He told me he's never gotten any bad press in his entire life because he <laughs> Are you is, kidding? <laughs> yeah, what? I'm not kidding. Because he doesn't read? <laughs> yeah. He's like, because I believe in everything that I say. So it's not bad press to me. And I'm like, okay. Um, ah. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was very challenging to talk to him. Um, and I spoke with him at length for prob- probably about five hours. Um, you know, we only use very, um, you know, short and selected clips from his interview because I didn't want to platform him and his ideas. But I did think that it was important to acknowledge and, and hear from this sect of the anti-abortion movement that was wreaking havoc on American clinics and is still very involved with the anti-abortion movement now. You know, I, as a journalist, um, you know, we don't always get to talk to people that we admire or, um, you know, that we like. And I thought it was important to show listeners and our audience that, you know, people like Randall Terry have laid the groundwork for the things like overturning of Roe v. Wade and that they're still out there and trying to take this further. But yeah, talking to Randall, I mean, there was a lot of stuff I did not include from him in the show because it was, you know, down downright offensive. I won't repeat some of it now, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, some of the, you know, most terrifying ideas, I think, as it relates to you know, the control of reproductive health for women and other people who can get pregnant. Mm -hmm. But you can see the interesting thing in listening to the podcast is you can see what a truly excellent messenger he was at the time. He sounds like Papa Smurf. You know, he doesn't sound like some some truly like his words are menacing, but the way that he uh, the way that he spoke back then, you were just like, I don't know, there was something very soothing about his voice. It was off-putting. You know, I, I just, to, just to build on that, I think that it, you do a great job, TJ, of kind of showcasing the ways that like loneliness, charisma, and zealotry can sort of form this like deadly, yes, awful, yes. incendiary combination. And like, you know, you have somebody like a Randall Terry who like to you, you also talked about like other people who are terrorists with Shelly um Shelly Shannon, Shannon. Mm-hmm. Shelly Shannon um you you give us a little background on Shelly Shannon the woman who tried to assassinate George Tiller Dr Tiller mm-hmm. um she didn't succeed somebody else did later um but you know she tried to assassinate him and she was kind of like front and center on all these terrorist activities during this time where it was very very scary and violent in you know the abortion care uh sphere uh, you gave us background on her that she was, you know, she moved around a lot. She didn't really yep. have a community. And I can see you just, you didn't, you know, you didn't like literally spell it out, but it was just like, I can totally see how somebody who was lonely and lacked yep. community would be sucked in by somebody who, when he talks, sounds like a cult leader, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think Randall, I, I mean, in, in our first episode, it's clear like his goal is to get media attention and, you know, 
his goal is to reach as many people as possible and, and be as convincing as possible. And, and, you know, he told me, he's like, the more incendiary things I say, the more media attention I get. And, you know, f- right. like, like you said, Aaron, for, you know, some people who feel isolated, who feel lonely, who feel like they don't belong, they are vulnerable to those messages. And, you know, I, I, I didn't include a lot of Randall's background in the podcast, but like, He dropped out of high school when he was 17. He was from Western New York, a Rust Belt town. He hitchhiked around the country. This was in the late 1970s. And he was like a lost white guy searching for something. And he also happens to find this. Like, you know, he he goes down this rabbit hole where I think a lot of what drove him, he even says, like, I had this dream that I was going to be on the Phil Donahue show. Like, it seems yes, like... that was wild. <laughs> <laughs> God told him. Yeah. Like, what a he, dumb dream. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> dumb. <laughs> but yeah, like... He want, he wanted attention. He absolutely did. And I kind of want to like, that's why I kind of am like, let's wrap up the part where we talk about Randall Terry, the like evil cult leader who history will, will remember as a crazy person. Um, But I want to go into like other heavy he- hitters that are in this series. Like it is like chock-a-block. It's, like it's like a Christmas special <laughs> from the 80s where it's like, oh, Kiss is in this? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, my- Grace Jones? Okay. Um, you have like Clarence Thomas, Sonia Sotomayor, Jay Sekulow, the Trump lawyer who just like is like, just the whack-a-mole that comes up yeah. every time something dumb is happening. Um, what was the historical figure that you were most surprised to encounter in covering this story? Yeah, I think... It was John Roberts, the, of course, now Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court. And, you know, his willingness to go to bat for Operation Rescue, I actually found like a PBS, uh, I think it was PBS NewsHour at this time, interviewed him uh, when he was Deputy Solicitor General. And he's like issuing a defense, verbal on-camera defense of Operation Rescue and, and what they were doing in Wichita, which... That is completely mind-blowing to me that now he is, of course, the chief justice. Um, And there were some surprising other figures that, like, actually didn't make it in. But, um, you know, this guy, Steve Heilig at the San Francisco Medical Society, who was working with Larry later to find this Jane Roe, he told me that he had consulted privately and secretly with a judge in California. And the judge was the one that told him, you know what, just don't tell the medical society you're doing this. You know who that was? That was uh, Gavin Newsom's father. Gavin Newsom's dad. No way! (laughs) Yes. Yes. So so starring. Yeah, there's just like a lot of familiar, you know, voices that pop up. Like, yeah, Ron Wyden. And then you've got Chuck Schumer leading these congressional hearings. Um, You know, we played some tape of the debate around the FACE Act with Bernie Sanders uh, chiming Mm -hmm. in there. So it's just like, you know, I, I said at one point in the podcast, you know, they say that history... Uh, doesn't repeat. It rhymes. And, you know, this story rhymes so much you could almost drop a beat. So <laughs> there's so many familiar faces. <laughs> TJ. It's like rhyming the same words with each other. It's like rhyming <laughs> words with themselves. It's like history right. doesn't repeat. It rhymes because it's all the same fucking people <laughs> yeah. saying the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> the, TJ, one, one thing I thought was so important about your podcast is that I think that for people who are say, younger than me and weren't in high school when a lot of this was happening, it is a reminder of how truly violent the 
uh, the anti-abortion movement was back then. I mean, when you talk about in the span of seven years, 60 clinics are hit with arson or acid, um, that this Shelley Shannon uh, maniac was literally communicating with murderers in prison to figure out how they did what they did. Um, that was, you know, I remember hearing that on the news when I was growing up. And I think now so much of what we have is online that it feels very removed and kind of remote and like arm's length. But it was it was fucking violent back then. Yeah, it was incredibly violent. Like uh, 1993, 1994 are the most violent periods on record in American history for abortion access. Multiple Mm -hmm. people shot. um, And there was a real reluctance um, until sort of the later part of the Clinton term, definitely obviously under George H.W. Bush. um, And then I think early in Clinton's presidency was still like kind of learning about it. Again, this was 93, 94. But like in the George H.W. Bush years, you know, the FBI director was very reluctant and reticent Mm -hmm. to consider this domestic terrorism. They said, you know, this is not the activity of a discernible organized group. And, you know, I think unfortunately we see, you know, echoes of that today with, you know, the white supremacist terrorists that we see, unfortunately, frequently throughout the United States and and how we categorize what crimes we call terrorism and what we don't. Um, So, yeah, it was a really frightening time. And, you know, in, in our final episode, as, you know, I was interviewing Randall about what's next, you know, he told me there's a movement afoot to overturn the FACE Act, which is the Freedom to Access Clinic Entrances Act. And and that gives, you know, federal protection to people trying to enter clinics. It makes it a federal crime to use force, the threat of force to block people from getting reproductive health services. And Randall says, you know, well, now that abortion is not a constitutional right, why should this be a federal law? Um, so for mm. me, you know, if, if you know, Terrifying. Face, yeah, if, if face were overturned, we could be returning to an era in which massive clinic blockades and, and the threat of, you know, physical force against clinics returns. Um, and if they are successful in removing mifepristone, then all abortion is returning to clinics. And so it, it's, you know, looking like a period back from 1989, that's that's very scary. And I think that's something to watch for the future, what happens, if anything, with the FACE Act. Yeah, I would say that it it doesn't necessarily mean that all abortion is returning to clinics. It means people are going to try that shit at home. Like, Mm, if people are blockading um, abortion clinics, um, if they're, like, you know, giving up your identity, like, blasting your identity online, who's going to get abortion care, whatever, um, people are going to... People who are pregnant and don't want to be are desperate to not be pregnant. Right. And uh, get people are going to have unsafe abortions, like unsafe abortions, self-administered at home. And we're, we're like already seeing it happen in places like Idaho, in places that are that are super hostile to abortion rights. Do you see any red flags from the story that you spent so much time covering? Uh, do you see like red flags that we should be worried about apart from like the FACE Act mm. Yeah, I mean, I think that one of the biggest red flags is, is you know, we need to pay attention to the courts. We need to pay attention to, um, you know, who's in power, because I think as this story shows, when, 
you know, Clinton winds up being elected, there is a sea change. It is, you know, he appoints Ruth Bader Ginsburg to the court. Uh, he is then able to help usher in the abortion pill, um, obviously through the help of feminist activists like Patricia Ireland from the National Organization of Women, who were leading a huge get up the vote campaign in 92, the year of the woman. Um, so I think, you know, as we head towards 2024, it's keeping our eyes on that that ball. And and for me, I, at the end of it, I mean, this is a story that is, you know, there's some real desperate times in it, but I think it's also a story that inspired me. And and when I first started working on this, it was a couple weeks after Roe was overturned. And I, and I think a lot of other women and other people who can get pregnant were feeling, um, you know, pretty defeated and pretty down <laughs> about the state of the world and, and how our country treats us as it relates to our own bodies. But I think this story shows that activism can pay off. It might take mm-hmm. some time, but you, and you might have some failures along the way, you know, in 1992, the court ruled against them, but they didn't say, well, let's, you know, pack it up and turn it in. They kept going. And eight years later they succeeded. And so um, for me, I, I hope it's that something our listeners can take away, you know, be wary of the dangers that came before us, but you know, take the victories and the lessons from those victories as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, where where's Leona Benton now? I know that you reached out to her yeah. and you, you tried to get an interview, but, what, but what can you tell us about her? Is she okay? Yeah, so I spoke with Leona briefly on the phone last summer. I had called her and asked her to participate. And, you know, our, our phone call was pretty short. It was about you know, five, 10 minutes. And she just was very adamant that she didn't want to participate, that she, this is not a subject she wants to revisit. Um, she is about, uh, she's 60 years old today. She still lives in the mm. Bay Area. She's still an activist, still a self-identified anarchist. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I, I think the way that the media treated her back in the 90s was, you know, just horrible. They went out of their way to point out that she was unmarried. They went out of their way to point out this was her second abortion, um, that she was supporting queer rights, that she had a tattoo. And and even that includes places that, you know, we think of as like, you know, quote unquote, more liberal than other outlets like the New York Times, like the Washington Post, like the L.A. Times. Um, And so I can't blame her for not wanting to step back in the limelight. And she was also being harassed uh, by anti-abortion activists. They were calling, you know, her home. They were calling the San Francisco Medical Society saying that we're going to get you. They tried to, you know, go to the courts to get legal guardianship of her fetus so to stop her from having an abortion. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I, I can't blame her for saying, you know what, I don't want to talk about it. I did my part. I put myself out there. And that's got to be enough for me at this point. Um, you know, I wish she would have talked to me. And and I I would love to know what she thinks right now of everything that's going on with the abortion pill. I, I had said that to her. I said, I, I think your story can really help um, inspire people. But, you know, she just wasn't up for it. And, and I respect that because... After the way she was treated back then, I mean, I, I can't imagine why she would feel, you know, put any trust in any kind of media going forward. Um, and finally, you know, you mentioned you think it's a hopeful story overall. It, it's something about kind of resilience, um, tenacity. What else do you want listeners to take away from the podcast? Um, 
I want them to take away that like women's history is pretty badass. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> I feel like we think about I feel like stories about women, women's health, uh, obviously not on this podcast, but like in the larger media media sphere, they're relegated to like Women's History Month or whatever. But I think this story shows that women's history. Uh, reproductive health history can be as exciting as an action thriller. Um, And I think we need to make more space and time to tell these stories. And um, also, I I think, I hope people just enjoy it. Like the idea of these like radical 90s riot girl feminists standing up to these militant anti-abortion activists and saying, I don't know, can I curse on this podcast? I don't know. Um, Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Saying, saying like, fuck you, we're not going to a to let you stop us. And like, this is our reproductive health care and we're, we're not afraid of you and we're not going to let you get away with this. I mean, I think that is incredibly badass and cool. And so in addition to being inspired, I hope that people appreciate like the wonders of, of women's history in, in a new way. I hope that uh, for our listeners, I hope they all check out your podcast because it has twists, it has turns, it's action packed, and it's also highly fucking entertaining. Like it was, I, I have to say, I have not enjoyed a, a podcast other than, of course, our own uh, that much in a really long time. <laughs> Never a dull moment. Never a dull no, moment. No, not one dull moment. Not one episode where you're like, okay, this could have okay, been cut. Okay, this is filler, blah, 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 blah. This is like Netflix episode six out of ten. No. Okay. It's all, <laughs> it's like all the season finale. It's highly it's all, bingeable. So good. Um, TJ, where can people listen to cover up the pill plot? Yeah, you can uh, find it on any podcast app that's out there, uh, thepillplot.com. And yeah, I hope you all listen and like it. And if you do, leave a rating and review. If you don't, don't leave a rating and review. But uh, just kidding. (laughs) Uh, But but, uh, yeah, I I hope everybody listens to it and enjoys it. And and thank you so much. Yeah, TJ Raphael, thank you so much for joining us. Listeners, Stick around to listen. I will be right back. This episode of Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Need the perfect Mother's or Father's Day gift? Check out Viore Performance Apparel. Drawing inspo from the coastal California lifestyle, Viore's products inspire others to live vibrant, active lives. I love that they're calling this the coastal California lifestyle. I will embrace that instead of what I thought it was, which was the I only want to wear comfortable clothes lifestyle. Yeah. I have to. I refuse to be uncomfortable I refu- if I want to be productive. I refuse <laughs> to be uncomfortable, but sometimes I have to look like I belong in a respectable place lifestyle, which is like yeah. Viore is perfect for it because they the clothes look fantastic. They fit great. They are so comfortable. I lie down in mine all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, Erin, the women's performance joggers. They have a slim but relaxed fit and are designed with dream knit stretch fabric. I love my joggers. I've slept in mine. I've slept in them. Really? You don't get hot? No. They're very, like, on oh. a, it's like a couch nap. You know, you have like a, oh yeah. you've got like maybe a half an hour in the afternoon. You're like, ooh, I've got a like small break. I'm very tired. I'm going to just like lay down for 20 minutes. It's yeah. Perfect. Perfect for couch okay. napping. Joggers. I love the leggings. I can work out in them. I can do my errands in them. I can wear them with a proper top to a business meeting. It is not a problem. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, you probably could. 
Just put yeah, a, a totally. blazer and like denim shirt, denim, denim shirt, oh, blazer, yeah. leggings. So easy. 100%. And of course, the men's core shorts. They have a classic athletic fit, falling just above the knee, while the Sunday performance joggers are made from recycled performance stretch fabric. I got my dad some men's core shorts. He wears them to mow the lawn. It's perfect. He is like, I think my my dad is one of those people that just like beats the crap out of his clothes. He'll wear them until they're they look like a security blanket that a 30-year-old yep. still has where it's just like a ball of string and you're like, um, Our dads are the same. Yeah, yeah. But um, my dad has had his for like a couple years now and I think I, I saw him wearing them the other week when I met up with um, family on a, on a short weekend trip and they still looked great. It was like, Dad, your clothes still look new. <laughs> so fancy. Viore is offering Hysteria listeners 20% off your first purchase. Get some of the most comfy and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. You'll also enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. On this episode of Plant Killers, we'll explore one nation's most notorious fruit and vegetable killer, bad dirt. What makes bad dirt so bad? The answer, the ingredients. But fear not, true crime enthusiasts. This story has a happy ending. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil. It's made with quality organic ingredients from upcycled green waste like compost and aged bark. Unlike the other guys who can't say the same. Looks like bad dirt's murdering days are over. Thanks to miracle Grow. Join us next time on Plant Killers. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new, and it's streaming now on Hulu. And welcome back. You are listening to Hysteria, the podcast for when you're feeling petty or you need a little sanity. And Mm -hmm. that's a great segue into our final segment of today, which is Sanity Corner. But first, some announcements for the class. Have you heard of this podcast called WAD, Alyssa? What a day. I've heard about WAD. You know what? I hear you on WAD quite often. It's, it's, look, Hysteria is my favorite podcast, but I love doing what a day. It is so much that, that's fun. Okay. That's, I, t- I do not take that personally. Good. Um, well, there's a lot of news to catch up on. And here's the thing. There's going to be more tomorrow. What a day Crooked's daily news podcast is here to help break down the most important stories you may have missed in just 20 minutes. Listen to new episodes of what a day every Monday through Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay. Alyssa, it's just me and you. Yeah. This is going to be a loosey goosey one. Yeah. I'm feeling loosey goosey. I'm feeling loosey-goosey, too. What is what is something that has sort of captured your attention this week in a petty way or a sanity-inducing way? Sanity-inducing. <laughs> okay, so, Aaron, my sanny petty is both sanny and petty. Okay. Are you ready? Oh, okay. Yes. And just like that. Aaron, okay. I'm fully caught up okay. on and just like that. And here's my petty. The show 
has been horrible <laughs> for like <laughs> a season and a few episodes. It's like it's like too much trying to be fit in. I really just wanted kind of the old show, but refreshed, right? Well, Aaron, this week, they gave me what I was asking for. Aiden is back. Carrie is acting normal. She has realized Big was toxic. Miranda is an intern. Essentially, Charlotte and Harry have a thruple with Anthony, which makes their marriage actually interesting. And it looks like this week, Brady and Lily are going to do it. And when Carrie describes it, she says, please don't talk to me about this because it's like two of my stuffed animals having sex. This is what (laughs) I was here for. I needed entertainment, not education in any way, shape, or form. Give me Che Diaz and Carrie's friendship, not Che Diaz and Miranda's very destructive, bad relationship. Mm-hmm. And I I have rewatched the most recent episode twice because really, just give me Carrie and Aiden shopping for housewares at Williams-Sonoma. That's all I want. I want <laughs> outfits. Give me Carrie. You know what? Carrie talking about an orgasm. I was like, oh, let me rewind that. I have not heard her talk about such things before. But it's like I love some of the new characters they've brought in. But really, just make Sex in the City entertaining again. And that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have struggled <laughs> through the first couple episodes of this season. But I'm going to say this, Alyssa. News witch or TV witch, you tell me. But in the first episode of the series, when Big dies on the Peloton or in the shower after falling on the Peloton, I told my mother-in-law that Mm -hmm. I think that this is all leading to her getting back together with Aiden. You're a fucking witch. You're a fucking witch. I I couldn't imagine. But let me just say, at this point, I am willing to cop that the last 15 episodes over the span of two seasons have been worth it for where we are now. I wish oh, we had gotten here before episode eight, but I am uh, I am enjoying it and I'm looking forward to a new episode dropping. Oh, my God. I got to say, it is I, – I, uh, I cannot explain why I keep watching it, but I do. And I will, you know, uh, slowly I'll make my way through this drudgery of a season. But I feel like this season is like the Sex in the City 2 movie – of the oh, show. like it no. is just see, is just keep like- watching. It's turning a corner. It's because <sighs> you just- know what? Give me more Naya. I love Naya. I love Lisa Todd Wexley. They're great characters. Just make everybody fit in normally. It's like everything was so stilted before, and now I just, I just Mar- Miranda as an intern. <laughs> just Aaron, I love it. They've I just done love Miranda it. Hobbs so dirty. So dirty. She does not deserve the way she's being treated. She in was the, the baddest bitch for like how many seasons was the original Sex and City? Like eight, ten? I don't even know. It was six seasons, but there was like a couple that were in parts. But anyway, yeah, it was. You I know, and I, it's it's fucking rude. It's rude what they're doing to Cynthia Nixon's character. I I right. I reject it. But I now she's it. taking over Human Rights Watch. I'm just, Aaron, I just, I really, you know, post-succession, there's been a real vacuum, a real hole uh, in my heart, my TV heart. Uh-huh. And I thought it would fill it and it wasn't filling my heart, but it is finally filling my heart. And I am I am hopeful that the next, I think, three episodes are, are build on my excitement. Yeah. I think I'm going to go back to just trying to watch all the episodes of The Sopranos. Um which, I mean, yeah. or that. <laughs> Imagine if they did like a Sopranos epilogue 
where it's like, well, they can't because I guess, well, no, they could. They could just be like, yep, Tony died. You know, and like not See, really. but they should do it. Like Tony should die and Meadows should have taken over the syndicate. <laughs> See, no. I I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I absolutely not. I I refuse no. Okay. No. I think uh, I think my husband is a purist and he would agree with you as well, but I'm just I'm just riffing here. I think a really funny epilogue to the Sopranos would be animated and take place in hell where they all went after they died. And it would be like okay. like all the wise guys in a place where they all have like, they live in like a state of eternal torment, but they get to have like lunch breaks and hang and out. And it's still like the- that scene in Goodfellas where they're still cooking sauce and slicing garlic with, with a razor. Yeah, surrounded by like the flames of et- eternal damnation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I would watch it as a web series. Five minute episodes, I think it'd be a lot of fun. Um Something that's bringing me kind of a schadenfreude this week is just watching Ron DeSantis' campaign implode. Um, the more people see of him, the more they're like, why? <laughs> what is – how do you exist? I, I, I really feel like Florida Florida voters, Florida Republican voters, because I know we've got some Florida listeners who are like, not all Floridians. Okay, fine. We know. Not all Floridians. We know. You're, some of you are fine. Um, but the people that voted for him, I'm like, you have to have a screw loose. How do you look at this guy and think, what a cool, normal man doing there talking is like nothing. a real human, cool dude doing real stuff? Uh, I don't get it. He he doesn't know how to act like a human man. It's so weird. No. No, he doesn't dress normally like a human man. He doesn't talk like a human man. He actually seems to be repelled by people, which is yeah, problematic. Seem, I mean, I guess that makes that that explains some of the laws that he's championed and is just general yeah. He, he's just like a he's just a little turd. He's just a little turd. He's turd and, and like, he hates people, but not in like a Larry David way that's actually funny. Not in like a funny way. Like he knows that he's being he he knows that he has something wrong with him, but he cannot stop himself from acting in a way that is antisocial. No, there's no self-awareness. That's the thing that's like, how? How? And like, I watched an interview or a clip from an interview that he did with his wife. And Mm. it was like, she was like acting. Like she, (laughs) in the interview, she said, she was trying to make it out like he was a really great husband because when she got her cancer diagnosis, she's she's like a, a right. cancer survivor, um, that he picked up her kids from school. <laughs> like what? Bare Run. minimum. Bitch, they're your kids too. <laughs> like what? I bet like that's a family that endorses the term babysitting when it refers to men watching their own yes. children. Like. That's how deep she had to dig for an act of kindness when she had cancer. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure, you know, they they seem like they really like each other. So it's like, okay, clearly he must have done other, like, how is this out of the bank of things you like about him, the thing you pick up? Like, what's, why is this the thing you pick out? out, uh, uh, Like, Casey, 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 W-I-D, girl, what are you doing? It was so weird. I'm going to, I'll send you a link to it, Alyssa, because it's like. Send me. I got to see it. Look, I can't act, um, and I, I'm i fucking Meryl Streep compared to her. She was like, she's like, um, and he just, oh, he's just, that's when I knew. That's, that's when, when I knew. I knew. When he picked up 
our children is own when children. I had cancer. When she had cancer, great. So when I knew he really Whoa. loved me, we were in this through thick and through thin. Husband of the year, I guess. I don't know. Like, how low are your standards? That they this seem is low. You, that's. I mean, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. But I am enjoying watching the downfall. Um, do you have anything else that's like kind of? Yeah, Aaron. As we were uh, setting up to record today, I I was been following a news story that I think our listeners should know about. As they know, uh, Maisie Hirono, one of our favorite senators, has been on here many times. Uh, there is a terrible situation unfolding on the island of Maui. Uh, strong winds from Hurricane Dora are fanning flames of wildfires on Maui. It's so bad that nine, uh, 911 services are out because the cell towers have been burned down. The main street of Lahaina in Maui, Front Street, uh, had several businesses have burned to the ground. Hundreds of houses have been destroyed. Um it's really, it's really terrible. They're saying all services are overwhelmed. Uh, hospitals are overwhelmed with burn victims. So everyone, keep an eye out uh, on Maui, and we'll we'll see if there are ways that we can help. Yeah, I guess that's like, I guess the sanity corner within that is we'll be on the lookout for ways that we can help. And, yeah, and we know our listeners always step up, and so yep. we'll we'll we will put that on blast when yep. uh, we have information about how to good help information there. and um, hopefully we can make a difference to the people who have like at this point you know lost everything it's it's really yeah. sad um yeah I mean it, this is also sort of like a reality of climate change uh this is yeah. just and it, it's I don't know man there's something there's <laughs> I was driving in you know Los Angeles the other day and uh, I stopped and I got out and it was just so, so hot. Like mm -hmm. so hot. I mean, it's hot here all the time, but it was just like untenably hot as I was walking across the parking lot. And I was like, God, we took oil and we made it into a thing and then we covered all our roads with it. Like it's a petroleum derivative. It makes make no sense. They should just be cut. They should be painting all the roads with that paint that reflects the heat that could save the environment. Well, then we need like super sunglasses because I bet that yeah. shit burn yeah, your retinas blinding. right off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all going to have goggles. We're, we're moving into a future of goggles. Are you prepared? I was born, I was born for goggles. <laughs> <laughs> Fits my aesthetic. Um, there's one more story that sort of caught my eye this week. Um, and it was the Alabama boat brawl. Did you... I, Okay. Of course I did. Everybody saw this because it was like incredible cinema. First of all, it is filmed from like 20 different angles. Um, and so you can see all of this unfold um, from so many so many different ways. Like, you know, there's a part where basically a boat, uh, a pontoon boat full of white people was mm. docked in a place where it shouldn't have been docked in, uh, you know, it was docked where it shouldn't have been docked. And a riverboat full of black people was supposed to dock there. And so the uh, a member of the ship's staff went over and was like, hey, guys, you got to move your pontoon boat. And the white people were like, no. And it escalated to mm -hmm. a bunch of the, uh, a couple of the white people attacking the member of the crew, the member of the crew throwing his hat up in the air and reinforcements swarming in. And, swimming uh, in. Swimming in. That kid was, okay. That 16-year-old kid. Who jumped down and swam across to help. God bless. 16 years old, swims across, pulls himself up using 
only upper body strength. Right. Then shakes his shoes off and like gets involved in the fight. Um, it was the, the it was cinematic and it was mega viral earlier this week. Um, a chair was involved at, at one point. Yeah, folding chair. I, I think, yeah, I, I think that like you know, as 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 a white person watching it felt good because it was like, oh, these people, the white people, were the instigators who are in the wrong, and right. they got they got what they the three male Karen three of the male Karens have been charged, which is great. Yep. 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 And uh, in terms of like the fight itself never escalated to a point where people were like bleeding. So it was like, no, it was like there was a folding chair, but I could tell it was one of those like plastic Ikea folding chairs. And so people weren't like breaking bones or anything. It was like an ass whooping, a pride wounding, a pride whooping, I would say. It was Uh, a pride whooping. Yeah, for sure. Um, And it was it was nice to watch. I don't know if the guy who's wielding the chair has gotten charged with anything yet, but mm. uh, if and when he does, I feel like that GoFundMe runneth over. It will. A hundred percent. Okay, what else do we want to talk about? Anything else happened this week? No, that was good. I feel like we had a real gambit today. We did run the gambit. I just, I have to say before we go, I cannot get Planet of the Base out of my head. We are going on a week and a half of me having a parody song from TikTok stuck on my head, or stuck in my head, and uh, it's it's taken over my life. All of the dreams. How can you mean? detox from something like that? I don't know, but I'm going to be talking about it on Terminally Online this week for okay, good, uh, good, crooked subscribers. So be sure to tune in to listen to me be just completely unhinged about a parody song from TikTok. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Hysteria. Alyssa, what a fun episode. This was what fun. a fun episode. Yeah, we covered a lot. The gang's both here, right? Yeah. The Thanks gang's here. both here. Uh, thank you to TJ Raphael for joining and for making her incredible podcast. Everybody, please listen to Cover Up please. the Hill Plot. It is so good. So, so good. Listeners, if you want to get in touch, hysteria at crooked.com. You can tweet at us if you want, even though we don't really use that website anymore. You can no. find us on Instagram. Um, and uh, thanks for listening, guys. There will be more Hysteria next week. Hysteria is a Crooked Media production. Caroline Reston is our senior producer. Our executive producer is me, Aaron Ryan. And Alyssa Mastromonaco is our co-producer. Fiona Pestana is our associate producer. The show is engineered and edited by Jordan Cantor. Our video producers are Rachel Gajewski and Megan Patzel. And thank you to Julia Beach, Ewa Okulate, Amelia Montooth, Adia Hill, and David Tolls for production support every week. Don't forget to follow us at Crooked Media on Instagram and Twitter for more original content, host takeovers, and other community events. If you like what you just heard, you should check out The Stoop. The Stoop is an award-winning podcast that tells stories from across the Black diaspora. Hosted by journalists Leela Day and Hana Baba, The Stoop digs deep into Black life through reporting, conversations, and personal storytelling to talk about things that aren't always shared in the open. 
The Stoop is a place to hear vulnerable stories that highlight the diversity of blackness through history, storytelling, experts, and opinions. There is no conversation that's too difficult to be told. For season nine, we're talking about the stigma behind being called an auntie, a personal story about planning your legacy. They'll delve into the world of black psychedelics and hear about what it means to not feel African enough. The Stoop, it's where you let your guard down and just get real. Every other Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow them on Instagram at The Stoop Podcast. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's Omri certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. I'm Oren Siegel, and I've been fighting extremism, anti-Semitism, and hate for more than 20 years. You should subscribe to our podcast, Extremely, to get a unique perspective on the daily work and the people who have dedicated their lives to exposing, fighting, and disrupting extremism, anti-Semitism, and all forms of hate. We bring you the stories of people and communities not only impacted by hate, but who offer new perspectives and ways to push back. You can find Extremely wherever you listen to podcasts.